Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Hey everybody, Arch here, and we are talking with Richard. What's going on, man? Same old, same old. Arch just trying to uh, put together the pieces so that we can uh, make some money on the weekend so we can uh, continue to pay that cost so that we can continue to be the boss. And apparently, you know, some people are listening to our podcast because I, I had a couch delivered today. And when both guys were coming in, they, they called me the boss. So I, I thought that they must have must, must be uh, listeners. My reach is everywhere, Rich. It's, it's global. You're, you'll get recognized global, everywhere. Baby. Yes. We are our own pandemic. Yeah, we are the virus. Uh-huh. Well, we have that virus that gets us into this business, right? Where we're uh, trying to figure out, you know, how to, where to put our money for some easy money. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. Degenerates, Rich. That's what we're called. Degens. Degens. Yes, that's uh, the name of your site. Wow, coincidence. Yeah. Oh man. So how's it going? Anything going on? It's all good, you know, working on the kitchen now, so trying to get that done um, so that the house is magnificent. Uh, and then uh, after that, there's always something else, right? When you own a house, it's this big circle. You start and run one room, you go to the next, to the next, to the next, and then by the time you're done, you're right back to where you started again. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it's a never-ending cycle. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some uh, liberation to just living outside in a cardboard box. Yeah. There has to be. Although, if you live outside in a cardboard box in Chicago, you might get trampled by the census cowboy. I saw that gangbanger running around on a horse. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I don't know if you saw the census cowboy's uh, resume from what I saw online, but he certainly has an interesting past of, uh, <laughs> of, of relations with the police. For the, if you don't know, the census cowboy, they actually rolled this out. This is an official Chicago program what would you call it a waste of taxpayer money oh, there's Can we that start too. there so mm-hmm. the, the census cowboy is is trying to encourage everyone to not everyone in particular neighborhoods with low census uh right response rates yeah right he hasn't been in my neighborhood no <laughs> so he's just high silver away and rides off to neighborhoods to encourage people to fill out the census in a bulletproof vest <laughs> well it's chicago i assume you have a bulletproof vest Nah, man, just bulletproof windows on my house, man. Oh, Christ. Now, you know, you laugh, but, you know, after these riots and stuff, I actually was thinking about putting up steel doors and bulletproof windows. Yeah, well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, besides getting the heck out of here one of these days, it's tough when the roots are deep and the kids are in school. You know, I have to at least let them finish up their education before I roll. But I've certainly, uh, you know, it's just insane. You know, we're we're in the business of managing risk, right? If you mm-hmm. really think about what gambling is, yeah. we're in the business of managing risk. And I look online and you can look at it, you know, a lot of places across the country where I can own a very similar home, pay about one fifth of what I pay for real estate taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can, I can lower my living expenses by, you know, this is going to be hard to, to imagine, uh, but I can 
by moving to somewhere like uh, Nevada, I could literally lower my living expenses by about $50,000 a year. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's real money over 20 years, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Two, two commas. Yeah, it is. Does that mean Chris will pay you less? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I live under the, uh, you know, MLK said that if you're going to be a, a janitor, be the best damn janitor so that when people come onto the street, they'll say, you know, the best damn janitor must work here. Yes. And I, I try to take that approach to the things I do. You know, I, um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, you know, I, I, I try to make sure I put my best foot forward and I'm an ambassador for the company, but I think more importantly, I try to be an ambassador for myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I don't want people to think that a-hole does some shoddy work. Why would I listen to him? Yeah, well, that's true. All right, well, Rich, we appreciate you. This podcast. You know, that's probably the first time anybody said that. And I see I'm 54 years old since uh, July 6, 1966. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know what was happening then. We'll just... That's when I was born, bro. Oh, that's a... oh, you're a July baby. Yeah, that's why I like the warm weather. So it was a... you're a Halloween. You were conceived on Halloween, probably. Yeah, trick or treat. You know, they were bored. Parents watching probably, movie. Our parents weren't sure which one they got for the first, you know, fifty-three years of my life. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. What are we looking at today? So we're going to go out to the Jersey Shore at Mammoth Park. That wasn't where and, we were going to go originally, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought, I, thought, I thought we were looking at somewhere else, but they got shut down. No, no, Delmar got shut. Delmar down. Delmar got shut down. Yeah, they're out on the west coast, actually. The the Pacific Ocean down in Malibu, where the high rent district is. They uh, they had fifteen jockeys test positive for the COVID. Hopefully, they all come out of it um, well and healthy. But they shut down racing for the weekend. Yeah, because of that. So in okay. a in a weird kind of way, it could be the like the test case for professional sports where the where the athletes get sick and you know what happens afterwards. So mm-hmm. hopefully everything goes well and it's a, you know, as well as it can go for the guys who have and girls who have the COVID and, you know, they're able to return to work and, and show the rest of the sports world that, yeah, if people get sick, it's, it sucks. But at the end, you know, most of them are young and healthy and they're going to get over it and can get back to work. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so we're gonna we're gonna be totally on the other side. I spent a lot of time as a kid down at the Jersey Shore because I grew up in the Poconos, so there was no ocean where I was at the uh, intersection of New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Interstate Eighty. There was a river there. We used to jump off of cliffs and off of um, railroad bridges and stuff into the river, but no ocean. Yeah. So we would go down to Wildwood, New Jersey, and Cape May, New Jersey, go hang out at the ocean down there a lot. So I'm familiar with that area. Hmm. Okay. There's a lot of bodies that get thrown into the river in New Jersey. You know, it's funny that you say that because I grew up in the Poconos and there would be a lot of people every, every year you would read about people found hanging in the trees, like chained to the trees in the woods that uh, maybe didn't agree with what some folks wanted them to do in New York or Philadelphia and found their way into the woods Hmm. to never go home again. Oh yeah. I actually had a friend who stumbled on a person like that. So it's uh it's not as uncommon as you think. <laughs> I watch The Sopranos. I know things, Rich. I know things. Yeah, well, that was in New Jersey, right? New mm-hmm. Jersey, like like we're right by the New Jersey, the New York border. Yeah, right there, right there, mm-hmm. Fort yeah. Lee. I think I, I actually got pulled over in Fort Lee one time by a cop. Actually, I wasn't driving. My friend was driving, and he pulled us over because we were in the wrong neighborhood. Ah, 
Yeah. What are you kids doing here? Uh, we're lost. <laughs> like Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, we hope we're not lost on the track this weekend. And uh, we're going to start with race 10 at Mammoth Park. It is the Mammoth Cup Stakes. And it's a race where I think there's definitely, well, I think there's absolutely some value this weekend to be found at Mammoth Park. Um, there's one really in the Haskell Stakes, which we'll get to in a little bit. There's really a, a pretty strong favorite there. Um, but outside of that, I, I think that horse players have a chance to cash some nice tickets this weekend. So the Mammoth Cup is a great three, $300,000 on the line. They're going to run a mile and an eighth on the main track. And there haven't been that many races at Monmouth. The, the meet is just starting. But so far, speed is kind of held up at the longer distances. So we're kind of looking at those horses that can be close to the front, but we're not married to it because of the small number of um, races so far. Okay. The, the horse that we kind of have on our radar is uh, – I hate this word, and I should know it growing up in Pennsylvania, but the uh, Monongahela, I think I got that right, is a um, Chad Brown trained horse, number two. Mm. And he was claimed last time, uh, two, two races back, or was bought, I don't know, but he ended up moving into the Chad Brown stable. Yeah. And Chad Brown is a, a tremendous trainer, uh, at least his horses went a lot. And in his first race for, for Mr. Brown, which was his first race since the middle of February, he just it was terrible. I mean, finished seventh by 16 lengths. <laughs> and, you know, I, it's really not a typical race for the horse. So he gets the top jockey this time around at, at Monmouth Park in Paco Lopez, who's won 38% of the races so far, which is just a – a sick winning percentage for any jockey. And I expect that he'll rebound in race two and get back to more of his uh, typical running style. Last time he started ninth of nine, ten lengths behind. There's no comment in terms of like of excuse, like he got caught in the uh, in the stall or he was unprepared or stumbled or clipped his heels or any kind of the notice that you usually get when a horse doesn't, when he has an excuse or there's like some kind of trouble. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to guess he just wasn't up to it, right? Sometimes I guess horses are like people. Uh, so typically he's closer to the front. Uh, and I would expect that he won't break ninth or 10th today. He's had a couple nice workouts since. And because of his last race, you're going to get some decent value at three to one as a, one of the favorites. Ran one time over Monmouth Park and won a grade three race running away against um, – our second, or our, you know, our second choice in this race, Bell Harbor. So Bell Harbor is number nine, mm -hmm. and Bell Harbor is another one that's kind of going to provide value for people at seven to two. Another top jockey on there, and Mike Smith. He's making his first um, start since December. But it's been training pretty well. Uh, most of his numbers, I'm looking at them, are some of the stronger workout sessions at the at the distance for those days, including a bullet on June 13th, where he ran the fastest five for a long time out of eight horses. 
And he's run against some really t- uh, top competition too. So maximum security, we talked about that last time out. So losing to maximum security is really no big deal. But he did finish 6th of 11. But he did get uh, off to a bad start and bobbled and hasn't, I think, considering the layoff beyond that, he probably was injured too. Otherwise, he wouldn't have taken off you know, half a year. But this is a horse that's run at Monmouth four times, has a win, two seconds and a third. Hmm. He's run five times at the distance with a pair of seconds and a pair of thirds. So it fits that we put him in second place. And he's pretty consistent, probably the most consistent horse in terms of what he's put on paper for um, for speed numbers. So if he comes off the bench fresh, um, last time out he came off the bench. The last two times he's come off the bench to run, he's finished third. So I have him second here because some of the horses that he ran against in those other races were pretty top-notch stuff. Uh, and so I, I think there's a pretty good chance. He'll be second or third. His record at the distance, his record at Mama says you have to have him in your ticket. So that's why I have him as my second choice. Jovia is a uh, a long shot, number seven. I see that. Yeah, yeah I think it's what, 20 to 20 one? 20 to one. Yes, that's my kind of number. It's another <laughs> horse that... Uh, you know, it just really looks terrible the last three races. I don't know what I'm thinking here, but finished fourth by 11 lengths, seven by 17th, 11 by 14. Just really looks out of form. Mm-hmm. But he's got two runs at Monmouth and one in both. So he likes this. Sometimes he likes this horses just prefer one track over another. Yeah. It's a horse for the course, as they're termed. Yeah, because if you look at the rest of his life, uh, you know, he's run 10 times. And so that means eight times he's run away from Monmouth Park, only one win. So clearly he's got a liking for Monmouth Park. He's going to be at his best. He'll be at the front of the pack. So if you see Jovia get off to a start and the announcer is, uh, or you're watching on, you know, your favorite betting uh, on light online horse racing betting site mm-hmm. if jovia gets off and gets cracking and runs into the stretch anywhere near the lead it's got a real good shot i think to to fatten up some tickets at 20 to 1 nice so that's uh, yeah he loves jersey <laughs> and then uh rounding out our our our, our four picks our, our top four picks is the post horse number one global campaign and his trainer, Stanley Hugh, has uh, a pretty amazing record at, when, with a horse that gets beat, at least in the last, you know, this year, as the favorite. Because last time out, he was the favorite uh, against the Owendale, a horse that we talked about that didn't fire for us. But still, he was the favorite. But he got off to a bad start, broke out outwardly, and you know, didn't run in a straight line, not fast and straight like you want your horses to run. Mm-hmm. So he finished sixth as the favorite, and um, the trainer comes back to win at 43% of the time. So he, he's definitely a, a strong angle there. He's performed well in some bigger races. Uh, prior to his sixth-place finish, he had four wins, a third, and a fifth in the six starts before that. So he definitely knows how to find the finish line at the distance, a win in the third, two tries. So this is a horse that I expect to come off fresh. Uh, matter of fact, he's in his last three first starts off the bench. He has a pair of wins in the third. So he's a horse that definitely um, rates here. His speed numbers are kind of have some of the greater greater variance 
uh, of the horses in the field. So he, you know, he's capable of throwing a stinker in there. Uh, but if he reaches his peak number, you know, he's definitely uh, a major, major contender. Nice. So r- rounding out our uh, picks are number four and number 10. Um, Harper's first ride is the four. Posted the top last race speed figure. And could be better in his um, third start after a layoff. But this is a real big step up in class for him. And last time out, he ran in a $60,000, $68,000 allowance race. So I'm not so sure about the big step up. And his trainer, uh, Claudio Gonzalez, only wins, uh, only won one of the last 14 graded stakes uh, efforts that a horse was in. Mm. So for the trainer, that's not um, not encouraging. <laughs> Obviously, it doesn't feel like he's got a lot of, you know, Graded stakes quality horses with only fourteen in, the, in of late, but still, you'd like to see the a bigger winning percentage than one out of fourteen. Yeah, no shit. Uh, and Bode Express, he's got the right running style, and, and you know could be the one to catch. Um, but he tends to fade late, and I don't think he's going to get off to a uh, an easy lead by himself because he's going to have company with uh, Mahangahila Senior Investment and Jovia. And uh, maybe even global campaign and Bell Harbor pressing on him as well. So there's going to be a lot of pressure, I think, on the lead. And as a result, um, he could have a difficult time. But if he can run the opening half mile up on the lead and do so in like 47 and a half seconds to 48 seconds, mm-hmm. then I think he's got a chance to, you know, to upset and and take him wire to wire, post <laughs> to post, beat him from post to post, pillar to post. But he won't. But he won't. <laughs> Well, you never know. You know, you got to consider all the options. So mm-hmm. the, w- the way I'm looking at this is I'm going to put um, Mahangahila, the two and the nine at the top of my, like um, my, well, I think there's some opportunity f- for there to be value here. So I'm going to kind of backdoor a couple things. I'm going to do one, two, seven, nine box. One, two, seven, case, nine box. Okay. Just in case Jovia hits the tape first. And some of our other horses maybe go up. And on the trifecta, I'm going to do one, two, seven, nine on top of the two, nine on top of the one, two, seven, nine. You might want to put the 10 in there too if you, if you, if you want to keep the speed horse up in there. But with Bodie Express, I'm just not a fan of a horse that likes to be on the lead that fades when pressured. And he's he, he going to definitely get pressured. Okay. So moving forward, another race to the United Nations Stakes. It's a grade one. It's a long one, a mile and three-eighths on the turf. Um, it's race number 11. You've got nine horses in this field. And again, I think you're going to have an opportunity to um, to cash a ticket here. The favorite is number one, Arklo. And he probably, he probably is the best horse in this field. And Brad Cox, the trainer, wins at uh, 30% roughly with horses that are making their third start off a layoff. But he ran just last weekend. And what? Really? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I guess there's maybe from when I was younger and, you know, hanging out with trainers and stuff at Arlington Park, a couple of them mentioned to me, you know, if you turn, if you see a horse turn around that fast, sometimes it's a positive sign. But I look back at, Arklow's record of the, the races where he came back to the track where he returned the work the quickest. He did improve like his speed number in both of them, but finished out of the money. So, you know, I, 
I think you can fade him coming back after a week because that's uh, that's that's a real fast turnaround. But he is like the one really good horse in the field. Like the, the I'm not saying the one, but probably the, the has the best history in the field, but hasn't been really running well in 2020. So he's got three races and a, he's got a second by a head. But other than that, he's not been close. So I'm I'm a little worried about the the turnaround. So this is Brad Cox. This is trainer, right? Yeah. Maybe he's got a mortgage to pay or something. I don't know. That's what I was wondering. Like, I wonder if Brad is, uh, you know, he's not making the kind of money he wanted to this year. It must not be. I'm not sure. I I, I guess I could check the jockey standing. I mean, the trainer standings, but it just, you know, you got to, he knows his horse. And I'd imagine that, um, you know, the, the horse's owner and the trainer both agree that the horse came out of the race last weekend, you know, fine. But I gotta expect he's not. He's you know he's a little tired, a little sore, right? Yeah. It says here Brad Cox made has made seven million one hundred thousand this year so far. It's not bad. Well, yeah, I think that's um, winnings. That's uh, it says earnings under the Equifax tab. Yeah, I so, think that's the earnings of his horses, though. Oh, I don't okay. think that's actually his pay. Well, right, right. So I think the trainers can get maybe 10% of that, so he's still making a good living. Well, he's still okay, but he made $17 million last year, and he's not – July's it's not over half. Yeah, yeah he's, maybe he's got a mortgage to pay. <laughs> yeah, about a second home, right? Right, yeah, yeah, or a third. Third or fourth or fifth. Yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. But <laughs> I won't go there. We'll let it be. Um, our favorite, um, our pick to win is the horse right next to Arklow is a standard deviation. Hey, I like that. That's where we live. Yes. We live in standard deviation. Thank God for Excel. Makes <laughs> a lot out. But it's a horse that went off to Qatar two races back to race for $10 million and finished second. So, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's trying to win Brad Cox type money. And came back to the U.S. last time out in a, in a non-graded stakes, which is a um, you know the lowest he's run in a while, and finished sixth. Mm. Uh, but he made a real strong move in the in the final stride. So, he, you know, sometimes horses when they take that long journey somewhere else, when they come back, they can run green again. So I, I think maybe in his speed figure was okay. So I think he'll do better in the second start off the break. Yeah, yeah. And it's another horse too that just for whatever reason seems to love to you know the, to run uh, close to the uh, sea level because he's two for two at Monmouth Park, um, and both of them were on turf, and both of them were not close. Hmm. So he's returning to a track that he's comfortable with. Uh, he's making his second start for trainer Graham Motion, who's a good turf trainer. And I, I think you'll see more out of him this time around, probably something similar, better, uh, you know, to what he ran in the $10 million race. And you don't go run in $10 million races if you're not a good horse. But, yeah, good point. Yeah, I mean, you're just not going to get entered in those. And then to finish second, that's a, that's a, a big plus. So I, I think he returns to form in his second race off the break. He loves Monmouth Park. And I would expect that you'll see him probably run in mid-pack. And then as they turn for home, You'll start to hear the announcer, you know, with the standard deviation, going three wide, making his moves, closing ground with every stride. So that's this type of race I expect out of him. 
And then my second pick is Mugsomatic. And he's eight to one, and it kind of makes me wonder why he's eight to one. He also likes Monmouth. He's run there seven times, three wins, a pair of thirds. And in his last six races, he's one and a finished second by one and a quarter lengths, second by a head, and otherwise won the rest of them. Hmm, I see that. Mm-hmm. He's moving up in class, so that could be like the the hesitation for the odds makers. Um, but I expect Hill's another. He's another horse that'll make a move forward in his second race off the bench. And he, you know, the last two times he's run at Monmouth Park, you know, he's come from behind the pack, which is the place to go in this particular case. Um, um, for whatever reason, the turf is the exact opposite of dirt. Horses, uh, and again, a limited number of races, but the horses that have won, um, the limited number of, of races of a mile or more on turf were seventh at the first uh, call and, and sixth, I think, at, after a half a mile. So the horses that blast out to the lead typically have struggled on that surface. Hmm. So both standard deviation and Mugsomatic are horses that aren't going to be forwardly placed. You know, they should get the kind of trip that has uh, favored winners there. My third pick is Aquaphobia, afraid of water. So why not go run by the Jersey Shore? Yeah, just get bathed in champagne. It's kind of like my dog's aquaphobic, too. I threw her in the pool and she didn't like it, man. She'd really try to get the hell out of there. Um, and I love my dog for all you PETA people out there. I would never treat her poorly. She's a lab and labs are natural swimmers. Yeah. I, I, I think you're safe. I don't know that many PETA people would listen to my podcast. I think they listen just so they can cancel us, bro. That could be. That could be. I mean, there are people whose lives are so miserable that they actually do that. They listen to online stuff so they can cancel people. How, how sucky does your life have to be to be that person? That's true. That's true. Well, that's what I do in part-time anyway. You try and cancel people. <laughs> so anyway, Aquaphobia. This is a horse that has finished in front of Mugsomatic a couple times, at least once recently. And probably, you know, really consistent in terms of speed numbers. It's just one of those horses that's a follower and, and not really a leader. It's won one time in his last 10 starts, but always like just kind of there at the end. And, you know, you kick yourself in the ass for not having him in the trifecta or the exacta. Uh, he's going to be nine to two at the morning line odds. I think based upon his, you know, his lack of winningness, mm-hmm. his odds could go up. So he could get a little bit of an overlay there. Nice. And, but I just look at him closing ground in, you know, his four races in a row um, or three out of four out of the last five races. He's made up ground late. The time he did win, he beat uh, Mugsomatic to the tape. So I think he's the kind of horse that you just cannot not put in there, but not one that I'm really going to put a lot of money on. To, you know, I, I won't have him on any ticket to be a winner. I'll just have him cleaning up the second or third places or maybe a um, fourth place spot for the Superfecta. Mm-hmm. Simply because, you know, he's going to put in an effort at the end. And I don't want him to just, you know, to, to – nose ahead of one of my other picks and, and knock me out of a, a a ticket that pays when I know that that's the kind of horse that he is. Gotcha. You feel me? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then, um, 
a horse that doesn't fit the profile of the track is 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 Parrot number nine. He ran the the highest last race speed figure, but he's going to be on the front. So he's going to try to take him from from the gate to the wire, you know, to take the lead all the way around the track. And I really don't expect him to get a lot of pressure. A horse that could pressure him a little bit, maybe he's number eight, is Corelli, who is one of our alternative picks. The last time out, he got off to a bad start and started 11th of 12, 12 lengths behind. And prior to that, all of his races were in Great Britain. So sometimes horses, the first time around the track in the U.S. after running overseas, they can run funny. And a lot of times, too, those horses in Europe tend to be closers when they come over here. But when I'm reading his comments from the races over in Britain, um, Corelli has also, uh, it's, there's a lot of track leaders was on the lead track leader. So I think he won't be 11th. I think he'll be maybe second or third, but I don't expect them really to put out blazing, um, fractions either because horses in great Britain don't tend to do that. At least the ones that come over here. So parent could, um, for the third race in a row, get off to an easy lead. And if he can run fractions, you know, I think the race is could be over potentially if after a half mile he's run um, an over 49 seconds. Um, if he's at a, a buck 13 or higher, you know, a buck 14 after six furlongs, the second call you'll see on the screen. Um, if it's over a dollar 14 and he runs over, a, you know, 49 seconds in that first half mile, the race could be over already. So I'm, fractions are going to be everything for Parent to break that kind of trend. If he's in any way forced to run under 48, it'll probably be too fast for him. So that's why I have him ranked fourth, because he's going to be pace dependent. And this is the highest level that he's run at. But he might not get challenged on the lead. So if not, um, he could take it. I mean, he could be in the front from beginning to end and offer some good value at six to one hmm. being the lone speed. I would not be surprised uh, to see that number drop. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, and I spoke this morning with the, uh, the handicapper at Monmouth park, Brad Thomas on my podcast. Yes. A horse that he has that I don't have mm -hmm. is number seven. Odinicious. Oh yeah. yeah. He expects that horse to be up near the lead as well and to have a little bit more kick than perhaps Parent does. So I don't have him in my picks, but um, Brad put him in his, and, you know, he's at that track day in and day out. So he, you know, maybe got the word that the horse is training well. Yeah. And well, and so it's one, another one to keep an eye on. It's a Greek god of winemaking, Dionysus. Oh, I did not know that. There you go. You're just loaded with knowledge. You're either really fast at Google. <laughs> I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I know a little bit. Throw it up in the in the gray matter. I know a lot, or a little bit about a lot of things. I don't know much right. about anything. It's just a little bit. You're that dangerous guy. Yeah, I'm so dangerous. Mm -hmm. So the way I, I look at this race is one that people can make um, make some money on. So the I, the, the favorite is uh, one of my alternative picks, just because you can't overlook Arclo. Yeah, but I'm gonna go with an exacta with um, my top three picks. Two, I'm just gonna go two, three. Maybe throw in the nine because if he gets to good pace, so two, three, nine, 
and then uh, one, two, three, five, nine in the, for, for second place, just because I think it's a wide open race and you're going to get some value. And you know, even though you're spending a little bit more than I, I typically like to spend on an exacta, I think you have a chance to get a good payout if, uh, no matter if any of those horses win. There you go. So that's it. Yeah, and on a trifecta, I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe go two, three, maybe the five, uh, but probably the nine with you know the the top five horses. You might take Brad Thomas's advice and throw in the uh, the the Greek god making horse, the Greek wine god making horse. Yeah, yeah, it's twenty to one. Why not throw him in there? Why not? Yeah, why not? What the hell? What the hell? Yeah. Now, Rich, I, just, I need I need, a, I need a loan so, from I need a loan from you for this for for this race. <laughs> well, you know what it is? I'm just going to keep expanding the number of horses in my picks so right. we can just keep hitting winners. There you go. We'll just, yeah, we'll just trifecta. We'll box trifecta one through nine. Yes. And then hope that the uh, the three longest shots come in first, second, and third. There you go. You know, it's funny. You know, you have all these life experiences. I was at the OTB one time, this off-track betting with a buddy of mine, and we're sitting next to a table of guys. And the one guy, every single time there was a, ho- a race with at least 12 horses, he would bet the outside three horses in a trifecta box. So in this particular race at Gulfstream on this day, he, there was 12 horses. So he had boxed the 11, the 10, 11, and 12. And the 10 and 11 and 12, I think the, the shortest odd horse was like 30 to 1. <laughs> and it won. And he collected like $15,000. And he said he does it every single time on, you know, fields of a certain size, you know, anytime, I guess it's 12 horses or more, he boxed the outside three horses. And I don't know if he had spent $15,000 in a lifetime up to that point trying to get that bet, but he certainly was happy that day. So he's taking the outside, just outside, meaning the physically positioned outside. The, the- yeah, the three outside horses and just oh. boxed them. So for six dollars, because three dollars, yeah. three horses for one dollar, yeah. six dollars, he ended up winning fifteen thousand. That's not bad. Yeah, and he didn't even buy drinks for everybody. So oh, what a cock! Yeah, see what a hole. Not, not. I mean, if I won fifteen thousand dollars, I would at least, you know, buy drinks uh, or maybe even a lunch for the people I told my story to. Right. Otherwise, why tell the people you just want all that money? Yeah, you need to spread the legend. That's right. But here and you well, are. You spread my legend. Told more people about it than he ever did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. On the On the Deegan broadcast? Yeah, I'm looking for 12 horses now at Monmouth. Anytime you see it, baby, that's the... That's another it. one, too, is the, the always play the grays. <laughs> and, uh, that was something uh, someone told me when I first got started. And Oddly enough, when you watch, a lot of times there's just one gray horse in the race, he wins. <laughs> I don't know why that would be. So we'll move on to the Haskell Stakes, which is the marquee race of the day. And it, it's it, it's actually quite a consequential race all across the board. One, there's a million dollars in prize money at stake. Oh. So maybe uh, Brad Cox should have thought about running Arkwell there, but it's only for three-year-olds, so Arkwell's a little too old. And beyond that, it's a Kentucky Derby qualifying race. Mm. So it's 100 points for the winner, 40 for second, 20 for third, 10 to come in, uh, fill out the Superfecta. Three of the horses are already probably in the Kentucky Derby, Authentic, Dr. Post, and uh, New York Traffic. And it's also a win and you're in for the upcoming Breeders' Cup. So there's 
plenty at stake here. And there's a real short horse here in terms of uh, not stature, but in terms of odds. And that's number two, authentic. He's four to five. He's a Bob Baffert horse. I feel like we've talked I mean, about him at some point before. I've- yeah, he's been in like the Santa Anita Derby. Oh, yeah, we talked yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, so he finished second behind uh, Honor AP. Yeah, and Bob Baffert's got himself in a little bit of trouble lately. I guess he's on a 15-day suspension because his horse is tested positive for something. Oh, Charlatan from the Arkansas. I mean, from the Arkansas Derby, and then uh, Gamine, the horse that we talked about a couple couple days ago. Uh, I mean, two what two weeks ago? Yeah. So those horses, I guess it's a linocaine or something like that, and he said that. Um, one of his handlers had a patch on, and and when he put the patch, he had the patch on, and when he put the stuff in the mouth, the horse tested positive. Mm. Seems like a logical excuse to me. Yeah, right, right, right. It seems like flaxseed oil. Uh-huh. So he yeah. uh, he's been uh, he's he's under the microscope right now, Mister Baffert. So uh, authentic is four to five. The, the the betters are likely to throw money at him. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised to see his odds go down. And, you know, I study these big races. You know, I put in that work, baby. Got to pay the cost to be the boss. And yeah, I looked at the last 10 um, winners of the, of the Haskell. And six of seven that had odds of six to five or under actually won. Oh. So he's going to be under the average winner was actually of those seven was four to five. So there may not be value here. Uh, Authentic does look like the best horse. He has the right sort of running style. Um, So he's, he's going to be inside. He's got speed. He should be close to the lead. I don't think he's necessarily going to be on the lead, but I think he's going to run the pace that he wants to run. And he has been the best horse. Just suppose whoever's handling him, if he's got the patch on or not, could make the difference. Well, I do expect he'll be the the, the short horse in the field in terms of odds. Historically, they've done well. Nine of the last, seven of the last ten winners were what I would call speed horses. They were close to the front. Yeah, they're coming out of grade races. Have hit triple digits on the speed gun, so he checks off the most boxes. Um, the horse to his inside, Doctor Post. Um, he's been the favorite, um, I think in all of his races, except for one, um, that was the last time out when he lost to Kentucky Derby favorite in the Belmont stakes, tis the law. Other than that, he's won every race except for the, uh, his start. And he's hit triple digits on a speed gun in two of his four races, which is the most in the field. Um, but he's, he's going to be a little bit more off the pace than what's, than the typical winner of this. And there's only seven horses, so he was not going to be that far back. The farthest he can be back is seven. Uh, he's six horses behind the leader. Mm-hmm. And But, you know, I, I would just rather see him have a running style that fits the track a little bit better. Um, but if there is a horse that's, you know, that's my, he's five to two, he's riding the rail, which is a good place to be. So he can, everything is to his outside. The jockey can see what's going on and, you know, put his horse where he wants to. I'm just not that fan of, um, you know, a horse that doesn't fit the style of the track. But he is look. He does look like he's perhaps the second best horse in the field, and that's why he's the five to two second favorite. Okay. Um, another horse. So as I go through the ten, you know, the things that horses need to do to win the the um, 
the win the Haskell in the last decade is that triple digit speed figure. All of them, but one ran one in the race prior to the Haskell and Jesus's team. Number three is the only other horse that meets that on an equa based um, speed based figure. Mm. He's a long shot. I think he's what? 15 to 15 one running to one. on the three post. Uh-huh. And in his last race, we talk about horses many times where, I'm looking at their fractions. Last time out, so he, he ran at Gulfstream Park both times out. And him at Gulfstream, he ran a mile. And in this most recent race, he cut a second off his final time. So he's trending definitely in the right direction, making a big step up in class because he's not run in the graded stakes level and certainly hasn't run anywhere near a million-dollar race. Okay. Um, but – he does check off that box. He gives us a, a front-running style, so he should be uh, – I don't know if he's going to be on the lead, but I think he's going to be tucked in right off the leaders with um, trying to you know, run a pace that he's comfortable with. And he has shown when he's close um, at the end that he has a pretty good, strong kick. So mm-hmm. he, you know, he's going to grind it out. He's going to – I think he's going to put a really good effort in there. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, if at 15 to one, he shows better than that. Our fourth pick is New York traffic. There we go. That's the name we all recognize. Yes, indeed. Gray horse. uh, Yeah. And he's, um, you know, he, he's a front runner too, and he's run against some good competition. He lost to Maxfield who a lot of folks thought would be a, uh, a good horse for the, Kentucky Derby, one of the main contenders, but I think he's hurt himself and he's out. Ran against Wells Bayou, finished second in the Louisiana Derby, mm-hmm. where we, uh, where, you know, we were on Wells Bayou that day, and he finished behind a major Fed and Modernist uh, in a race before that, before winning. Uh, modernist and Major Fed haven't really performed as well since. Wells Bayou kind of struggled too a couple races back, and so I'm not quite sure how. You know how strong some of the competition is he's faced. Yeah, they look good on those days, but haven't looked as you know has strong sense. Well, so, sometimes dealing with New York traffic can really it can change a person. <laughs> well, yeah, it can. Especially back when I grew up, and we wouldn't go to New York. Oh yeah, those are crazy days. <laughs> those were the escape from Bronx days, which they're returning to. Unfortunately for the my, my friends in New York. Prime numbers there are skyrocketing. I guess that kind of happens when you take the police away, right? Yeah, and just empty the prisons, maybe. Yeah, those two things are a good combination for crime. <laughs> Let's see. We'll let criminals out, and we'll take the folks who uh, who are the line between the, the law-abiding and the non-law-abiding. We'll, we'll sideline them and see what happens. Social experiment. Yeah. Where anybody with common sense can figure out the outcome. Mm. But apparently electing people with common sense is uh, not common any longer. You better be careful. The census cowboy is coming for you. He'll be at my house and he has a history, so I don't know. But he's got a, bullet, I mean, he's got a bulletproof vest on and I don't. I mean, it really works against me. Right. Well, you got to shoot for the head. But he doesn't come this way. So th- my neighborhood's not one that's not filling out the census, apparently. Oh, okay. So it's only uh, for those neighborhoods, to the south and west side, where people don't fill out the census because going outside is dangerous. Oh, man. 
And nobody probably wants to walk from door to door asking people maybe you want to fill out this entry. That's true. It's probably both sides of this issue. It's not just people not filling it out. It's getting volunteers to go down there. Yeah, well, south and west side can be a little bit crazy. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Uh, in the city, if you look on uh, heyjackass.com where they chronicle all the you know the shootings and, and, and the, the murder in Chicago, those neighborhoods are the bright red in, on the heat map. Mm. So the, the consensus cowboy, or you know, that's maybe that's why he's uh, was picked is because he 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 has the is the weaponry needed to to survive <laughs> on his horse in those neighborhoods. Oh man! All right, I got a sidetrack. New York traffic. You don't so think? Yes, you think what do you think? Is he is he overhyped or is he the real deal? Well, I, I you know I think he's run well against quality company, mm-hmm. and well, what was quality company at the time? He's got speed, so I think he'll fit the track bias. And I expect that he'll be, you know, pressing for the lead right from the get-go. I just don't know that. Um, I don't know that he's any better than Jesus's team. Well, who is? Yes, nobody can be better than Jesus's team, right? Well, there's probably you know sixty percent of the seventy percent of the world population that would argue with that. that but but the uh, in this scenario, uh, who is? So if He's not any better than New York. He's not better than any, you know, his numbers aren't any better than Jesus's team. Why not take 15 to one? Why not? Yeah. Plus you're getting Jesus's team. Right. So you're, uh, can't go wrong there. If Jesus be for us, who can be against us? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> now we have to go to confession. Yeah, Cause, uh, anyway, the, uh, so I, that's where I'm at with that race. Um, my, to round out, and, and I don't really think outside those top four horses, it's a seven-horse field. Um, the other horses are long shots for a reason. I have Ancient Warrior and uh, Fame to Famous as my alternative picks. Me and 30. Mm, and there's probably no difference between them and, and, and Lebda either. That's another horse that's going to try to probably get to the lead. But... You know, hasn't run against quality company and one time it did run in the, the three times that he has run in a graded event he's finished sixth by 11th nine by 52 i mean that i think he just didn't run i think it, it's probably 52 lengths is the length of the entire race <laughs> and third by seven so he hasn't performed well so it to me it's four horses yeah that's it and authentic is the going to be a really low priced favorite mm-hmm. um the one the horse that's most likely to beat him maybe is dr post but you know if you're going to try to upset him i would go with jesus's team yeah it's trending in the right direction like i said his numbers are as good as what we've seen from new york traffic and you're getting much better odds so uh, from a betting standpoint you know i'm, I'm gonna have to put authentic on top of a ticket because you're he's the, the class of the field. I'm going to put Dr. Post and Jesus's team and maybe New York traffic behind him. But I also might flip that around for uh, Inexacta, just in case the trainer with the, what is it, Lanacombe is not, in his hands is not uh, available today. And then put New York traffic, Jesus's team, and Dr. Post on top of Authentic. Get that backdoor Exacta maybe. And then kind of run the same thing for the uh, for the trifecta, where I'm putting authentic on top with the other three horses, mm-hmm. and then putting 
three horses on top of authentic with uh, with uh, the other three horses finishing yeah. in the third spot. Okay. Okay. So the first two races, I think there's you know some good chance to create value if you hit big on those tickets. Maybe you can, you know, put a sizable bet on authentic, but. You know, at three to five or four to five, I wouldn't bet much money on him to win, even if he's, uh, you know, guaranteed to win because it just the risk reward ratio is not there in horse racing. Yeah, for sure. What about, okay, what if we see a, a horse like Authentic who, by all accounts, is going to win? I've seen people talk about this before and I don't like it, but I, I just want to ask anyway. What about loading up on them to show? Because you know you're, you're guaranteed to make, you know, the 10 cents. What about just loading uh, up me, on show? I, you know, I'm um, I'm a probability guy. Yeah, and I just don't think that that's smart. It's eventually going to bite you in the ass. Right? Let's say you bet, so you're getting ten cents, right? So that's the the number you threw out there. So you're betting two dollars to make ten cents. Yes. Um, I mean, just think about that. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. I just I know people love taking heavy favorites, like stupid shit like this, if they can. I mean, uh, there are people who do it. So yeah. a friend of mine and I used to do what we would call a show pool, so third place. Yeah. We'd each have to pick a horse. And then uh, so – and we would just keep um, – so we would do this during lunchtime. So we had like an hour. So we would pick a horse, each one of us, and then – so we'd alternate races <laughs> and see if we can make it through the entire lunch um, and just whatever we won. So we'd start with maybe like 20 bucks, And if we won our 10 cents – then, uh, you know, we had, you know, $20 and $22 or whatever in the next race. And then we keep just pressing our bet. And I, I don't think we ever made it through lunch the whole way through before one of the, you know, our picks didn't finish in the money. So the, uh, the fact is that sometimes even strong favorites don't run in. So you're betting two bucks to make 10. All you got to do really is lose once and that kills the next you know, 20 times you do that. <laughs> right. So as a probability and a numbers guy, I would say emphatically, don't do no. it. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. You might as well, if you're going to do that, just bet him to win. Because you're going to get, you know, better odds that way. Okay. Just wanted to bounce that off you. My favorite play really with these things is back doors. I can't tell you how many times you see a heavy favorite finish second. And then if you have a, you know, a, a Jesus's team at 15 to one on top of them, you're going to uh, collect a much nicer ticket. Mm -hmm. And your risk is probably almost the same. Ticket. You feel me, brother? I do. I like it. What else is going on? You know, that's it. You know, the horse racing is yeah. my, is my life. I'm working on the baseball um, thing and, uh, you know, to get my picks ready for baseball um, golf I'm working on. So as sports come back, I'm working on my fantasy stuff. So I think you and I might start talking a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, maybe as early as next week yeah. for, for, for golf picks this week, last week I got six guys across the finish line and barely made any money. Cause none of them really played very well. So oh. this week I have one golfer not playing well. I'm probably gonna get five out of six to make the cut, but they're all kind of like floating around the cut line. It's a much different tournament this week in Ohio than it was last week. They must have let the grass grow and so forth. Plus, Tiger's intimidating everybody now back to his old ways. And But still, getting five out of six, I expect I'll finish in the money again. But probably not a whole lot. Not the million-dollar check I'm looking for. And, you know, we'll start maybe putting out baseball lineups too. We'll see. But we'll talk about that. And yeah. then as far as the market is concerned, you know, I've read that, you know, 
people at the federal level want as many as 18 states to roll back their uh, opening plans. So, you know, that could be a damper on the market. Yeah. Well, I mean, are hospitals overwhelmed? That's my question. Are hospitals overwhelmed? That was the whole point of this. What I read, like 95% of the ICU beds in like Miami are, are, uh, you know, and and in Houston to the hotspots. But the death rate is low. And and from what I've read is that the reason why a lot of these ICUs are near capacity is because they're back to uh, elective surgery. So people are, you know, going in to get whatever surgery that is and temporarily being moved to the ICU before they recover. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I don't know if that's really a function of um, COVID or it's a function of the, um, the fact that hospitals are back to trying to make profits. Right. They're back to where they, yeah, they're where they were pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Flatten the curve. Well, Flatten the curve right, was yeah. such a fucking lie. God damn. Yeah, well, you know, there's it's an election year, so there's going to be a lot of shenanigans. Yeah, all the way around. It's never. This was people freaking out. This was always going to happen. This was always going to happen. This is what they told us it was going to happen. Flatten the curve was to keep the hospitals from being overwhelmed. That's all we were trying to do. Yeah, and when they passed Social Security, they were only going to tax the 1%, and there it was never go. going to be more than $3,000. There's no such thing as giving somebody in in um, government power right. this and is what not happens. watching them expand that power. <laughs> Lord Acton, right? Power corrupts, absolute power yeah. absolutely corrupts. Usually we don't see it in a six-week period <laughs> or seven weeks, eight weeks. Where, yeah. They say one thing, and eight weeks later, they're saying something entirely different. Yeah, and it's on tape, too. Yeah. And it's not like it's, you know, it's it's not there for people. Oh, don't wear a mask, wear a mask. Now, if you don't wear a mask, you're going to kill not your grandmother, but everybody else's grandmother. Right. Fauci was already telling us was going to die. We were just trying to keep hospitals from being. It was our only goal. I, I don't know Fuck. about this COVID thing. I mean, you know, I, I know a couple people who got it. Yeah. They say it sucked for sure, mm-hmm. but they've recovered. And, you know, if anything, you know, those governors that threw old people back in the home, oh, uh, old people yeah. homes, that's the, uh, to me, that's the scandal of all this. And yet those people, I get like, they have super high rankings in their states, which I don't know, man. Maybe it's the whole legal legalization thing. People are all, Poked up and not really realize what's going on. <laughs> Maybe so. All well, right. I mean, how do you account for that? You throw, so you're in a state where 30,000 people died, right? Yeah. New York. A lot of them in the nursing homes because they put sick people back into nursing homes. And then that guy's out there pointing his finger at a state that has one fifth the deaths that you have. And yet he has an 80% approval ranking. I can't explain it. I mean, that doesn't register with me. No, no, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. So the only thing that can explain it is weed, man. It's weed. Maybe so. Maybe so. I don't know. All right. We're alienating enough people. You got got anything else? No. Just I hope everybody makes money. Everybody stays healthy. That's all we want. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, you're listening to Arch's stuff because, you know, he, he... his picks did pretty well with the UFC two weeks in a row. They're right on top of things. So uh, who do you got? Who does your guy like? Or have you talked to him? I haven't talked to him yet. This is the problem. Maybe weed is another answer. This is a problem with, you know, talking to 20 year olds. 
This kid's 20 years old. He spaced off today that we, we talk on Fridays. Oh, he forgot? He forgot. <laughs> well, it's one thing about 54-year-olds, man. Right. If we forget, it's not because we forgot. It's because our brains don't work. Right. Well, you especially. You get hit in the head so many times. Yes, at home. You know, <laughs> go do this. Whack. Uh, well. All right. Anyway. Yeah, we'll see. I'll put something together for you tomorrow for the UFC guys. Yeah, send it off to me. I'm uh, I'm going to do it. I can't bet legally in Illinois. I guess I can go over to the Rivers Casino and do it, but I can't do it online yet. At least I couldn't when I tried the other day um, when you sent the picks off. And I noticed he got quite a few of them right. So I was I was going to bet the one that he absolutely got right that was plus like one million. Yeah. I'm ready to retire now. Me as well. All right, Arch. All until right, next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good luck at the races. May all your bets be winners. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents.